Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Steelers are borrowing from the Eagles playbook to shore up a shaky foundation. You know what? It's the right move. Welcome to the Steelers update from Penn Live, where we keep track of all things Dillas, so you don't have to. This is John Lucy reporting. The Steelers' offensive line is quickly becoming the Eagles' West. It didn't take Steelers' assistant GM Andy Wield long to tap his love of big bodies and his experience building the NFC champion Eagles to shape two significant free agency acquisitions for the Steelers. I'm talking about the additions of former Eagles guards Isaac Samalu and Nate Herbig. This signals that the Steelers are finally serious about shoring up the franchise's shaky foundation. I'm talking about that patchwork offensive line that hasn't been the same since all those all-pros retired at the tail end of the Ben Roethlisberger era. And I'm telling you what, this makes so much sense. First of all, the time-tested manual for building an NFL franchises has not changed even as the game has. It still starts up front with the unsexy but absolutely essential big bodies. Even more importantly, a reliable O-line is a young quarterback's best friend, especially a young quarterback whose bell was rung for not one, but two concussions last season. Yeah, 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 everyone in Pittsburgh says Pitt alumni, Kenny Pickett, wants the Steelers to draft his former pass-catching Panther partner, Jordan Addison but Pickett will benefit so much more from a reinforced Steelers O-line. The two aforementioned free agency moves, no doubt orchestrated by Weald and executed by GM Omar Khan, means the Steelers get a starter, a day-one starter in the 6'4", 303-pound Somalu. Last season, this bruising blocker logged every snap in all 20 games during the Eagles Super Bowl run. Talk about reliable. This 29-year-old is right in his prime. The other free agent addition is the 6'4", 334-pound Herbig. At 24, he's a bit younger, and he is a fierce physical run blocker in particular. But he looks to provide the Steelers with more depth rather than replace the likes of Kevin Dotson as your 2023 starter. Once again, Weald was well acquainted with Herbick from his time in Philly, where he was undrafted, then cut ahead of the 2022 season. He landed with the Jets last season, but was let go by that team too. So we can't have our hopes too high. He shapes up as the classic journeyman NFL player, with an attitude. 
At the very least, he could add some pop in the running game, which should be hitting its stride with Najee Harris entering his third NFL season and Jalen Warren providing a nice change of pace. And just as the O-line is the quarterback's absolute best friend, a good running game is a close second best friend. But above all, these free agency moves to shore up the Steelers' O-line shows that the new GM brain trust isn't buying all that late-season buzz that the patchwork Pittsburgh line had gelled and thus could be relied upon going forward. Clearly, Wield is of the football school that teaches you can never, ever stop building your line. The work of acquiring blocking big bodies is never done. And here's betting the Steelers aren't done with their O-line renovations either. Yeah, free agency is winding down, but the all-important NFL draft looms. And it is here that Con Wield and the Steelers could claim their ultimate O-line upgrade in the form of a blue-chip left tackle taken at pick 17 or perhaps even higher with, the, with a draft day trade. The big three tackles projected to go in the upper half of the draft are Georgia's Broderick Jones, Northwestern's Peter Skronoski, and Ohio State's Paris Johnson Jr. The only question is, when and where do they go? NFL draft guru Daniel Jeremiah has Jones falling to the Steelers at pick 17. If so, expect the team to run to the podium, not walk run, in order to turn in their draft card with Jones' name on it. Big bodies of this quality are just too rare and valuable to pass up. Of course, such picks aren't as pleasing to the populace. The popular pick in Pittsburgh, aside from Addison, which just isn't going to happen, is a cornerback out of Penn State named Porter. Steelers Nation would prefer to keep it all in the family by bringing Super Bowl-winning linebacker Joey Porter's son, Jr., home to the black and gold at pick 17. And there is an argument to be made here, especially due to the way free agency played out on the other side of the ball for the Steelers. Team refused to match Detroit's offer to its best, most versatile cornerback, Cameron Sutton. And Sutton is now a Detroit Lion. And this could be yet another penny-wise, pound-foolish calculation of the kind that saw defensive lineman Javon Hargrave go down the turnpike to the Eagles several years ago and Mike Hilton taking his hard-hitting secondary game to Cincinnati. But that's another story. The signing of soon-to-be 33-year-old Patrick Peterson does little to diminish the Steelers' now glaring need at the cornerback position. The big three expected to be taken in the top half of the draft at cornerback are Porter, along with Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, and Devon Witherspoon from Illinois. Either any one of these guys would shore up the Steelers' now shaky secondary. The move would make them a better team. It would be a Steelers' win. There's no doubt about any of that. 
But if it comes down to a choice at pick 17 between one of the top three tackles versus three choice cornerbacks, expect the Steelers to, to go big, as in a big body, to protect Pickett's blind side. That's the football 101 move. And it's the one Kahn and Wield have already signaled with their free agency acquisition. The interior of the Steelers' O-line has been upgraded, but the outside at left tackle remains to be bolstered. With one name on a draft card, be it Skronoski, Johnson, or most likely Jones, the Steelers would anchor their O-line for the next decade plus. No one would appreciate it more than Kenny Pickett. Basically, the Steelers would be doubling down on their first-round investments in both the quarterback and the running back positions over the past two drafts. That's the way you build a championship NFL team. And the two men now occupying the Steelers' GM office seem to know it. We have much more, including some way-too-early grades on the Steelers' free agency hall plus some more in-depth draft analysis, all in this 2023 forecast edition of your Steelers Update podcast. Hey, and be sure to check out my print column, First Thing Thursday on Penn Live. As always, it will be packed with plenty of memes bringing the off-season Steelers buzz to life and to laugh. Right now, let's get right to it. So just how good is the Steelers' free agency crop thus far? Well, I mean, we really won't know until deep into the 2023 season this answer. But to get an idea, at least for now, we're going to turn to Adam Bittner with the Post-Gazette in Pittsburgh. He took a hard look at pro football focus grades for each Steelers free agent based on their last season production. And for the uninitiated, this scouting um, website, Pro Football Focus, or PFF, they grade players on every snap of every game using a 1 to 100 scale. So what did Bittner find about these new Steelers? Well, a mixed bag for sure. First up, we're going to go cornerback because, I mean, we lose Cam Sutton, who had high grades from PFF, and we're plugging in Patrick Peterson, who got an overall PFF grade last season of 80.7. That sounds decent. Well, maybe, maybe not. Bittner notes the Steelers' immediate concerns are whether Peterson and his, quote, lack of positional versatility, unquote, compared to the dear departed now Detroit Lion, Cam Sutton, will auger well or not so well for the Steelers. The question is, can Peterson remain effective at age 33, which he will be this season when the season starts? The answer, according to the PFF analytics studied by Bittner, does give us some hope that Peterson can, quote, still be really good when deployed in the right role, which is mostly coverage on the outside, unquote. That's according to Bittner. And then he goes into more depth writing this about 
Peterson's PFF scores last season when he was in Minnesota. Quote, his 82.5 score in that area on a bad Minnesota defense was really good, as were the underlying stats. Opponents completed just 58.9% of their passes against him for 524 yards and a passer rating of 66.8. Even better, he was rarely beaten for major yards after the catch, allowing just 194 for the entire year. All the while, he picked off five passes and notched five pass breakups, unquote. But there's always a but, and Bittner warns us this about Peterson, quote, if there's a red flag anywhere in his stat profile, it's that the preceding three years were not nearly as good based on those same PFF scores. His best overall grade in that previous span was 68.6, and his best coverage grade was 64.3. Not terrible, but they definitely paint a picture of a player in some level of decline, unquote. And at 33, decline is inevitable, okay? So I think he's a smart cerebral player. He's one-dimensional playing on the outside, and we'll see what he has left. That's basically where we are at, at that corner by back position by virtue of letting Cameron Sutton go off to Detroit, where I think he's pretty good and kind of be eating our hearts out. They're building something up there. The question is, are we building something in Pittsburgh? You know, that's, that, that's my question. Okay, well, next up is another nettlesome position for the Steelers, middle linebacker. They haven't had a middle linebacker of any game-changing quality since Ryan Shazier and his unfortunate injury. So they're bringing in a new crop. I mean, next, you know, next man up. They're, they're getting rid of last year's crop, and they're bringing in a new crop. So one of those they're bringing in is Cole Holcomb. He has a 66.6 overall grade in 2022 from PFF. That's when he was with the Commanders. And he might have a little bit of what the Steelers lack, according to Bittner, and that is, quote, a consistent track record of solid production against the run, especially compared to the outgoing Robert Spillane, the outgoing Devin Bush, and the outgoing Miles Jack. And those, who who he's going to be replacing? Okay, Bittner says, quote, in four seasons, Hokum's never posted a run defense score below 61.8. Bush and Spillane, meanwhile, finished below that number in six of their combined eight seasons in Pittsburgh, unquote. But once again, there's a but. The outgoing Spillane scored 77.3 in that category. That's significantly better than Holcomb's 69.3. He adds, uh, and Bittner adds, that the hope and the expectation is Holcomb will be less erratic overall more consistent than all those other guys we've had at this position since Shazier. Hey, we'll see. But just in case, Steelers weren't done at middle linebacker. They brought in another one in free agency, Landon Roberts. He landed on PFF last season with a 57.1 overall grade at his position. 
But Bittner sees some problems with this import from the Dolphins. He writes, quote, there are pretty glaring red flags. Tackling as it is at the top of this list. He missed his missed tackle percentage has been 17.3, 18.8, and 12.7 over the past three years. That's led to some bad tackling scores of 36.8, 46.4, and 56.4 over that span. That sounds like a lot of my biology scores back at Penn State in college. I wonder I'm a journalist. This guy has been quite rough in coverage, too, Bittner points out. Scores of 26.7, 53.6, and 43.1 while down in Miami. He's allowed at least a 70% completion percentage and passer ratings of at least 85.8 through his entire seven-year career. This past season, he allowed 87.8 of passes to connect and an opposing passer rating of a whopping 113.6. That is simply not good enough. And this time, there are no buts. It's just not good. So this guy, I, I don't know what, uh, Landon Roberts, I don't know what. Uh, it's just, you know, we're, we're, we're right now at this position. It's just not working. Guard. And here's where it gets a little bit. This is what we were talking about at the top of the show. The offensive line, the guards. We got two guards, two new guys on guard. Nate Herbig. Now, he's probably more of a, you know, a backup guy. But, you know, 58.0 overall PFF score from last season when he was with the Jets. Now, he started as an eagle, an undrafted eagle. And uh, his blocking took a nosedive after he left the Eagles for the Jets for last season. He scored no better than 58.6 in any of the passer run blocking categories while playing the second most snaps of his career. So more playing time, less actual good production. So, hey, more of a backup role, right? There is a bright spot, Bittner says, and he writes this, quote, the one consistent is that he's done a pretty good job of handling pass pressure. He's allowed just four sacks across nearly 1,300 pass blocking snaps. That's pretty good. He's also never allowed more than four QB hits, 19 hurries, or 21 total pressures in the season, unquote. Bottom line for Bittner, Herbig has a chance to bounce back and take on a starting role. That's the upside, at the very least. Valuable depth, unquote. Now, here's the real premium addition along that O-line. Isaac Somalo, 75.2 overall score. He's coming in as a very productive starter with the Eagles on their Super Bowl run last season. And the first thing Bittner notices is how much this former Philly Eagle, how much the playing time has vacillated. Since arriving in the league in 2016, last season he was off the charts in terms of playing time. Before that, not as much. And it makes it harder to compare his performance from year to year, Bittner warns us. And there is, yes, a but. His, and this is it. Quote, his numbers have been very good in the biggest sample sizes. He's never scored worse than 67.2 in any of the major grading categories at guard. 
overall scores are good, run blocking and pass blocking. This past season, his pass blocking score was a robust 79.1 with just 20 pressures allowed in 653 pass blocking snaps, unquote. Things are even better with the run, however. Bittner believes Siamalo has a chance to be a pretty major upgrade from what the Steelers have in the run-blocking game. Kevin, uh, you know, we're talking about incumbents, Kevin Dotson and James Daniels, who better beware. This guy's coming for a starting job with the Steelers. And that's, you know, really good summation from Adam Bittner with the Post-Gazette, basically giving us a feel of who we're getting uh, in, in the form of these 2023 free agents. But there are two ways teams build for the future. And the most important is the upcoming draft at the end of April. And there's nothing more valuable to a franchise than that first round selection. Who will the Steelers choose? As the dust settles from free agencies, the Steelers have two glaring needs. The first was created by how free agency played out. The second was unaddressed in free agency, perhaps meaning the Steelers intend to fill it at the top of this draft. Well, let's look at what this means. And we're going to go to Mike DeFabio with The Athletic, who is making dual arguments here. One for taking a cornerback at pick 17 and an equally convincing case for going big with a tackle with the Steelers' first-round pick. And you know what I believe. All things being equal, they will go tackle. But here's how DeFabio frames this franchise-altering choice that the Steelers face in the first round. Fabio writes, quote, Even after the Steelers added an eight-time pro bowler in wake of losing Cam Sutton to Detroit, a corner still remains very much in play early in the draft. Yeah, Patrick Peterson was once an elite shutdown corner. However, at 33, he's more of a stopgap than a long-term solution. If anything, his addition only increases chances the Steelers select a corner high in this draft. Ideally, Peterson would provide the perfect bridge to the future, holding down a starting job for a season or two while preparing his future successor. And Peterson actively embrace this type of mentorship role in Minnesota, even inviting young Vikings DBs to his house to watch film and share a meal. He'll surely do the same with the Steelers' next cornerback, unquote. That is how DeFabio frames it, but in, 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 in writing that, I think just laid out a, an argument that the cornerback uh, that the Steelers take will be in the later rounds of the draft, which is said to be very deep at that position. DeFabio's talk of this rookie corner in uh, waiting a season or two to start behind a 33-year-old, that's something you do with a later round pick, second, third, later, not a first rounder. A first rounder, you want an immediate impact. And for that, the Steelers need to choose one of those top three tackles, or could it be top four? Here's DeFabio framing the Steelers' choice at O-line and putting another player in play 
at pick 17 and on our radar to watch. He writes this, quote, Khan and company fortified the interior offensive line with a pair of moves last week in free agency. Isaac Samalo, as we said, should step into one of the starting spots, and Nate Herbick will provide competitive depth. While the interior is less of a need, tackle has yet to be addressed this offseason and likely remains a top priority, unquote. Hey, no doubt. My take is tackle is the top priority, not just a top priority. But the answer at pick 17 might not be limited to the consensus top three tackles, those being Jones, Gronoski, and Johnson. Fabio wisely alerts us to look out for a fourth figure who could figure into the Steelers' plans at number 17. He writes this, quote, A fourth option is rising on draft boards and could be worth considering at 17, that being Tennessee's Darnell Wright. He had a great 2022 season at right tackle, impressed at the combine. His 5.0140 yard dash was tied for sixth among offensive linemen, 400th behind the fastest lineman being Jones. Right, also tied for the fourth best broad jump at nine feet six inches, unquote. Nice numbers, guys rising. And my take is the Fabio just solidified that the choice the Steelers will make will be tackle at the top of the draft. It's now a choice of who it will be, and that might have expanded to four, not three players. And that increases the odds of your favorite football team, finding the proper protection for Kenny Pickett. And there's nothing more important than that. Of course, we're going to be covering all the moves, all the rumors, all the head fakes leading up to that pivotal Pittsburgh draft. And all of it right here on your Steelers Update podcast. And you know what to do. Sign up. For the podcast, get it fresh every Wednesday afternoon, you know, uh, right to your inbox or wherever the hell they go. Uh, Just sign up, get it automatically so you don't miss an episode because they're going to be packed with plenty of info and intelligence and Steelers surveillance going right up to the draft. And of course, log on to penlive.com anytime for your real time.